Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. Jeff Buck, and I'm along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers for the Athletic. And we are here at Daytona International Speedway, although we are in different rooms. Jordan, I miss you over in this other room that you're in. I don't oh, know why you didn't want to see Air high five, buddy. Hot, virtual high five, yeah. <laughs> um, Jordan has left me with a mystery suitcase. I feel like I'm on deal or no deal. <laughs> um, I will be opening this later tonight, I guess at the end of the episode, to reveal my outfit. And it's just sitting here taunting me in the meantime. I don't, did you bring this just... For this occasion, this yeah. entire suitcase. Yeah, I mean it's got it's got the accoutrement of your outfit. I mean this is not just a you know pants and a shirt, Jeff. This is an entire wardrobe and accessories. Okay. You got to look the part. You're a big time reporter for the Athletic. You got to dress the part. I mean, I could be dressing as a clown, but we will find out. Um, but <laughs> in the meantime, we have some racing to talk about. Thank goodness. Uh, we do. We, we, are, we have two people tied for the points lead already, 10 points each. <laughs> uh, we have seen two duels tonight. Uh, we have yeah. set the lineup for the Daytona 500. Tyler Reddick won duel number one. Christopher oh, Bell. by the way, by the way, no, no one was talking about that. Yes. Like he, it was like an afterthought. <laughs> yes. It was your tweet, by the way. I was walking on a pit road because I was going to Jimmy Johnson, and you tweeted out, oh, by the way, Tyler Reddick. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. I didn't even know who won. I honest, I had no idea who won. Because I was so focused on, I think everybody was focused on Jimmy, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's neat. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You had to wait till the replay to see what happened because you're like, oh yeah, somebody, this it was a race too, and, and it, like at yeah. the front. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, Tyler Reddick won the first one. Christopher Bell won the second one, and um, we, you know, both transfer battles were phenomenal. For for oh my goodness, you look at the entry list and you're like, I mean. First of all, it looked like only one car was going to go home because you didn't think yeah. NY Racing was going to come down or whatever. And then they are coming down. And it's like, oh, Greg Biffle's on the side of the car on their hauler. <laughs> and, and then he's like, no, you didn't pay me. I'm not racing. Uh, that's not me. And then they the, the next picture of the hauler was it taped over his name. Uh, and then it was J.J. Yaley. And uh, on pit road, even Eric Estep uh, took a picture tonight of, of G. Biffle on the back of Yaley's suit. So Yaley was wearing Biffle's fire suit. Um, like probably two years ago. No, it was it was the NY Racing from the. Well, I know, sponsor. but I think Biffle drove for the team two years ago, so I didn't know if. Never mind. 
anyway, um, so you're like, you know, and they were so slow in qualifying. You're like, there's no way they're even going to be able to stay on the same lap. Like they're going to get dropped immediately. Um, yeah. and Jimmy, you know, yeah, they didn't qualify that well, but none of the Toyotas did. So he'll just, but roll that's not unusual though, either though. Yeah. But you just figured, okay, he'll, he'll roll on up there because of that. Um, and then the next thing, you know, it's like, oh, we've, we've got a battle on our hands here because, uh, they're, Yaley's ahead of Jimmy on the last lap. And it's like, well, what is happening here? And Jimmy's actually going to miss this thing. And then just the way it all worked out magically, uh, Ross Chastain somehow was stalled in the middle or something. Yaley was like, all right, well, I guess I'll go up high here. I got some momentum. I'll go around him and trap Jimmy. But then he lost his momentum. Jimmy got a push from Truex behind him. And because Truex had stalled out uh, Mm -hmm. on pit road, getting fuel. And uh, next thing you know, Jimmy gets is magically in. Jimmy said on the backstretch, you wrote the story about it. Um, He was thinking, he was literally thinking, man, I'm going to have to tell, call all these partners and tell them we didn't make the Daytona 500. And, you know, geez, you know, I'm going to be up in the suite having to shake hands with people and, yeah. you know, and, and he was thinking about that during the race on the last lap. Yeah. And, then he and, made and he's it. never DNQ'd for a cup series race before ever in his career. I mean, this was, and you look at the entry list and you look like Jimmy should be in, like he has all of the advantages that some of these teams don't. And it felt overwhelming. It felt like a piece of cake. And you kind of even thought, well, even if he doesn't qualify well, he's going to have enough people, enough friends to make sure that he's going to get in one way or another. And it looked like that was going to be the case because he was going to the front. He was having a great race and then fell back. He got spun out and then it just went sideways. And he was, I don't want to say pan. Would you call him? Would you describe it as panicking on the radio? Pretty close. I mean, he's like, Get the 43 shot back here. I need help. You know, all that. Yeah, stuff. more than once. More yeah. than once. Like, he was screaming, like, I need help, like, uh, emphatically. And uh, he, he wasn't getting it. And just because Eric Jones was stuck and Eric Jones really couldn't do anything and Truex was kind of out of line and it just they didn't align for Johnson to, to get that push. And if Chastain doesn't slow up, he doesn't – Jimmy Johnson's out of the 500. So, uh, quick question before we move on here. Is Eric Jones in trouble? Like, is, you know, he, they kept asking him to drop back. I don't, should he have just yeah, so, completely given up his own shot at the 500 and his own starting spot to drop all the way to the back and then try to push Jimmy? So that was asked to Jones. I don't, it was asked to Jones on pit road and he was in a really bad spot though, because it's not like he can just pull out a, I mean, yes, you could pull out a line and fall back, but the problem is everyone else is in line and you're going to lose you, you have you're, you're at risk of losing the draft you know of not being able to be fast enough to latch on does that make sense and so it well, was all jimmy would then go slow you, enough you to, i mean it, you wouldn't you couldn't but do there was, it, like, the problem is there's not enough time though there, i mean you this was all within a few laps like you you didn't have enough time yes you could they'd fall back and they hook up but we had three four flaps at the most and you know who knows if that's enough time and so jones wasn't it wasn't like jones was being a bad teammate jones was just not spot where he really just couldn't do anything to get out of line and make it, you know, get back there in time. Luckily for, for Johnson, Truex had his issue on pit road. I, I, you know, three laps, four laps might be enough time. The last lap, no, but I mean, you could do like Maybe. the shake and bake, shake them before you bake them, <laughs> you know, like he drops all the way back and you know what I'm saying? Like, could you do that again, please? No, but, um, please no, 
Listen, Maybe my new ringtone for you. <laughs> it, is there not enough time to to do that? Like, I mean, I don't know. I, I just think all of this is unfolding so quickly, and you have to remember too. I mean, I, I'm sure, and I don't know how the spotter stand was situated. I am, I would presume that the legacy spotters were close together, right next to each other. But you, you remember, they they can't directly talk with each other. I mean, they they have to go through. You know, you have to have radio. Someone's got a radio on your team, and then you got to talk to them. It's not like you can just do this. I just think this was unfolding so quickly and the, and everybody was in a pack and, and everything else that it wasn't a situation where it was just easy for Jones to drop out. I mean, Jones is not – Jones is a good teammate. He's always been called that. And it, it's just – you know, and it's not like he, he – what does he care? I mean, he, he was going to start in the back anyway. He knew that. And, and so it didn't matter if he finished – 15th or he finished 20th he was going to be in the Daytona 500 so it wasn't like he was looking out for self-interest what he's looking out for is like I have to be smart here because I if not I could wad these cars up very easy the other thing you got to remember too you pull out a line and we saw this earlier you know you pull out a line everybody else slows down behind you and then people start running into each other you know so it, there's no guarantees and Johnson at one point thought he was going to get into another wreck so it, it just you know it worked out I don't know what to say but it, it it worked out for him, and I, and I don't put any blame on Jones whatsoever. Okay, interesting. So um, one element before we get to the second duel is after qualifying, you're looking at the Toyotas. What The best qualifying Toyota was 22nd, right? They've got this brand-new car, and you know the Fords with their brand-new car go out and sit on the pole, and you know it's, it's, it's like, wow, this is looking pretty impressive here, right? Like... You know, maybe, you know, I know it's only single car lap, uh, but still like that, you know, what, what's up? And you don't expect the, the Toyotas to be like that bad, but they were not only that, not that bad. They were like phenomenal tonight. They, despite all their start, bad starting positions, just largely, you know, whipped up to the front, um, won both duels and made it look fairly easy in overcoming track bad track position. Um, and you add in that they now have um, a few more cars with the Legacy Motor Club cars than they've had, where yeah. in previous Daytona 500s we're talking about, oh, you know, like they don't have enough bullets and they have to work with other manufacturers. And, you know, I know it's only a few more cars, but maybe that makes a difference. It's so, a huge difference. Yeah. Um, so, I mean – is, is a Toyota not going to win the 500? I mean, I don't know if it's that simple, but they sure look good. They look great. And I, and I, I chuckle because after qualifying, where it's like, oh, man, the Toyota's struggling. It's like, have you watched Daytona 500 qualifying in recent years? And, and I know it's a redesigned car and, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like Toyotas typically don't qualify well here. They just don't. It's not their emphasis. They, they care about race. They, they, that's what they focus on. And it's like, just let's see what they can do. And I wasn't surprised they moved up there. Like, they, they work well together. They historically have worked very well together. Um, you mentioned it. You made a great point. The one thing they haven't had is numbers. And it's always been, you know, six cars, maybe seven cars. If you if you get an independent who's, you know, Toyota brings in, um, like the Gone Brothers a few years ago. But usually it, it's a numbers game. And it's cost them. In, in 2021, um, they had the fastest cars that year. But because they didn't have enough numbers and green flag pit stops and everything, they end up getting cycled back, and it, it didn't work out for them. And a, and a Ford ended up winning the race because Ford does a really good job with the numbers. But now they added three more cars, you know, and they added Jones, they added Johnson, they added John Hernemichek. That's 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 
you need that. They needed that, and they know that, and it helps a lot. So I wasn't surprised to see them move up there, and they look really good. And my question to you, Jeff, is I think they're the favorite. I think if you had to pick a favorite to win the 500, I think you're picking a Toyota driver. Are you not? Well, how can, how can you not after what we just saw? Like, I mean, it seems – now, it's never that straightforward, right? There's wrecks. There's, no, never. You know, teammate alliances get broken up. Um, pairings get broken up. All, all sorts of that stuff. So it's never that straightforward as it seems after the duels. But sure, sitting here tonight after what they just did, um, I mean, especially like Reddick in the first one, didn't he go from 16th, 19th or something to first? Yeah. Um, I mean, Bell was way back there. Bell was way back there, and he ends up All of them were. Jones was back there. Johnson was back there. Johnson blew up, blew, went into the top five in a hurry. Like, yeah. they all, Bubba was up there. and hit, I mean, they all moved up very quickly. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, it's it's interesting. Um, I I think this the you know there's always the the talk about the first and the second duel being so different, um, but they were pretty different up until the last like whatever 15 laps maybe or something right, um, or pretty pretty much the same. Did I say pretty different? I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, it's late. Yeah. They were pretty much the same because it was like all right, they're gonna run two you know two by two until the first pit stop. Um, the, the second duel had a, a bit later pit stop. Um, but they were, you know, it seems like with this plate racing, uh, the super speedway racing, they're doing that because they're trying to save fuel. Um, and so it, it actually helps them. I mean, you could see on TV, Fox was showing that, you know, they're running like 50% throttle in the pack yeah. there. And so nobody's really making moves. Um, even though I just said the Toyos can move up, but you know, they're, they're pretty much riding right until that first pit stop. And, um, it, it, it sort of made the duels a little bit weird in that sense. But then everybody, you know, they split into these different groups, and then they all come back together, and there's some diciness there. Um, so, you know, then the, the big difference was then there, there's a huge wreck, right? So um, I don't know. I guess what, what do you make of the wreck, first of all? Blaney was pissed. Um, he was about, very pissed. <laughs> and and, and here's, here's my thing. Like, and I went out and I talked to Dustin Albino and Bob Pockris and – Zach Sterniolo about it because I was like, I, I'm I'm struggling to understand like who 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 is he pissed at? I, I didn't really get that. I he, think Brad What? I think he's Brad, isn't it? Okay, but what Brad didn't? I mean, what did, what did Brad really do exactly? I mean, here here's how I saw it. Byron pulls up. He loses his momentum. He's he's like sort of stuck out there for a second. Then the other cars are coming really fast with a run. Kyle Busch tries to check up, and it does. it's not enough. Then he tries to check up even more, totally gets out of it. And Brad is pretty close to Kyle, so Brad is not going to be able to slow down in time. So Brad gets into Kyle. Kyle, you know, it, it, it sets off the whole chain. But, and I understand Blaney's pissed. I mean, you know, he's, he keeps getting wrecked hard over and over and over. But I, I'm... I'm not really seeing where you can just be like, Brad was giving Kyle a push or, or uh, Kyle was giving Byron a push or whatever it was and, and ill-advised push. I mean, Kyle even says in his post-race interview, well, I didn't, I didn't want to push in the tri-oval. I know what happens when you do that. You get, you know, like a broken leg. Like, I mean, it's not ideal, but Byron is right in front of me here. Like, what, what am I supposed to do? I, it, the consensus out there, at least from what I was gathering, is you know, maybe Blaney's just mad in general. Um, yeah, I think that's probably where you go, is that he's 
he, he's been wrecked out in these races a lot. He's, he's always a contender in these races. He's almost always puts himself in a position to win these races. You got to remember, too, you go back to the last Daytona race in August. He was leading very fast, you know, and got wrecked and wrecked really hard. I think we need to we need to emphasize just how bad of a wreck that was because it was one of those, of, ooh, man, is he okay kind of things. And it takes a toll. And I think you just get out of the race car. You're mad. Brad has a bit of a reputation in these races for being the guy who causes the accidents. And so you're frustrated. You're angry. Um, the guy who's normally – the guy who is often involved in these things is now involved in this one. And so it's very easy to point the finger. And I think, you know, maybe tomorrow Blaney may have a different reaction to it. So I, I, I would chalk it up to heat of the moment more than anything. Sure. And I, I understand that. I was just, I was like, wait, wait, what is, I'm trying to, I'm like, is he mad at Briscoe who was behind him originally? Like, I just couldn't see I think he's just, where yeah. it was coming from. But I, I understand he's being just mad about being hit. Yeah. 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 And I, I get it. Like, it's just, um, Kevin Harvick, an immediate great add to the booth there tonight because I oh, just thought so good. he, he broke down, uh, Mike Joy, I, I think was citing my story that I wrote on the athletic. Uh, they hey. didn't, he didn't say that. Uh, that was my story, but he was talking about how Harvick had said this week that the wrecks were harder hits than ever before. Yeah. Um, that was part of the interview I did with with Harvick, um, and I, you know, I, I remember Harvick saying that at the class when we did this interview. I'm like, dang, like, and and you could see it tonight, and they, and they did such a great job. Fox did of first they show, you know, they showed several replays, and then they're like, all right, we're, what we're going to do here is we're going to show you, you know, the in car wreck, and you see it happen so fast, and and you know, it's like boom, right. But then when they slow it down in slow motion and you can really see it moving and it's like or whatever, right? Like you can really and, and we've seen, you know, NASCAR has shown where they have like the real the, the super slow speed cameras, like even slower than that. Mm-hmm. And you can really see the driver's body and head, you know, moving so much. But even the one Fox showed tonight, I thought was so telling. I mean, you're just seeing the flames coming out in Ryan's eyes and the next hit and just, they're just getting pounded. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it just, there, I thought a couple things of it, right? First of all, it shows you how violent these hits really are. And it takes you inside the driver's seat, which I think is, is good for people to understand. But I think also the second part of that is like, and, and I don't know how to say this in, in a, in a PC way, this is the kind of stuff that people need to to see Agreed. to understand how dangerous this sport is. Because when you see these crashes from the outside, like even Blaney's crash tonight, right? If, the, if we just seen the outside view, you're like, dang, ooh, that looks like it hurts. Ooh, man. Like they keep showing the impact in the wall. And you can see it's hard. Like there's no, nobody's doubting that. But then they get out of the car. They're talking. You know what I mean? They're walking away. You're like, well, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't that bad. I don't know. But then when you see the in-car camera like that slowed down, looking right at the driver like that angle was, not even like the side cam, right at the driver, mm-hmm. you're like, dang, this sport's freaking tough. And that's what NASCAR needs in a lot of ways. NASCAR needs to be like, to remind people, you can't do this. The average person cannot yep. do this. And I think that that's been taken for granted for a long time because it's sort of obvious in like F1 or IndyCar, like Indy 500. You're like, okay, yeah, that's that's 
crazy. That's insane. But when you see these stock cars with the roof around them and the head supports and all the stuff and they crash and they get out and you're just like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I could do that. Maybe I could. When you see stuff like tonight, you're like, okay, yeah, no, no. It, it takes a, it takes a special, special kind of person. Um, you know, as Marty Smith was saying in full speed, you know, like these, these guys are, they're different. They're different than us. Right. And, and I think that's so important for NASCAR and I don't want see, I don't want people to get hurt and I don't want these situations, but when they do come up like this, but, yeah, go ahead. It's the, it's the possibility that something bad could happen. It's the allure, the sex appeal of these guys are hanging it out there and something bad could happen to them at any moment and you don't know what it's going to be. And it's really easy to see these wrecks happen. And, and the, NAS, the, the safety measures that NASCAR has done are tremendous, and, and it, absolutely. And there's a reason why they haven't had a fatality since 2001. But there is something to be said for when you see these wrecks, like an appreciation for what these guys are doing. Because I, I do think it's very easy to see a Ryan Priest flip and a you know, violent wreck, and, and he gets out of the race car, and he races the next week, you know, and you just kind of, you take it for granted. You, you really do um, because you don't realize what potentially can happen. And you make a really good point when you compare these cars to, to open wheel cars. We see, you know, there, there is a, you know, you feel like there's more of a protection and a cocoon and all of these things. And, and there is, let's, you know, they're beyond. But it's still, this is a violent, violent sport, and especially with this car. And Kevin talked to you about it in your in your the interview you did with him on the Athletic this week, is that these these impacts that these drivers are making are getting in this car, they hurt and they feel it longer. I mean, it, that's just the reality of this car, and it is safer in so many ways. But it, there's something to be said for for being able to appreciate what someone is going through, the pain that they're going through. You see it in other sports, the anguish. When you know, Game 7 moment, overtime, that player is you know cramping up and they're having to gut through it, right? You, you can see it. You can't see that in NASCAR because these guys are in the car. You know, and they got the helmets on and everything else. But when you get that moment, like the shot you're talking about, you're like, whoa, wait a second. This is, this is next level. This isn't just guys going in circles, you know, casually, like I could do it at home, you know, no, this is, this is much higher than that. You know, and I think that that's what, that's what really is, has been lost, I think in this generation, because it has been the safest generation, thank goodness. But also it's like, it is easier. I mean, anybody can get on iRacing now, anybody can play video games and you're like, you, you can get good at it and you can go, well, I mean, maybe if I had a chance, I mean, I could, I could maybe, I mean, how, who hasn't thought that, you know? And again, I just think it's, it, it's almost cliche at this point to be like, these guys are putting their lives on the line. They're risking their lives. You're like, well, are, I don't know. Are they like who, you know, who's died? And I'm not saying I think that, but I feel like that could be a belief. Like mm-hmm. after the Newman thing, you're like, well, if somebody can survive that, I mean, yeah. who, what could really happen? And I think these drivers, these, especially these younger drivers have raced like it's, it's that safe, right? Like they don't, they don't race with thinking that they could get hurt. And we, 
We've yeah. heard that so many times, right? Like, I mean, so many times we've heard drivers, especially over the last year or so, talk about the code and how ethics have changed and how racing has changed. And there's just a lot of these young drivers just go out and they are willing to slam into guys and make contact and shove people around. And there's not a – the, the art of racecraft is diminished because of this, because there's not that appreciation for – got to respect everyone else out there and not put them in danger because it's just it's, – it's, the mentality has, is not what it once was. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Well, um, that's going to cause quite a issue for several teams uh, who now have to go to backup cars. And uh, I thought Brett Griffin on Twitter, or X, whatever, sorry, I'm never going to get this right, uh, pointed out something interesting, which is that, you know, in the past, on the Friday, if you wrecked in the duels, you've got a whole day to fix it, and then you go run Saturday, make sure all your fixes worked, and, you know, no problem. But uh, I don't know if any of you looked at the forecast – it ain't looking good for the weekend um, to the point where it seems like, you know, even Steve Phelps went to this Hendrick thing today uh, to celebrate their 40th um, anniversary. It was a media event, car unveil. And he... he Sharp looking cars, by the way. Those yeah. cars are beautiful. They, beautiful they do look cars. Good. They were going to run at Martinsville, all the same candy apple red color that was, I guess, uh, a, a color near and dear to Rick's heart. Um, but anyway, you know, Phelps even joked, well, you know, if we run this weekend, I hope we run this weekend kind of thing. I think that the forecast is so bad for Saturday and Sunday, Saturday at least, that you're just like, you know, as Brett said on Twitter, there might not be a practice Saturday. So these cars are, these teams are going to have to get the backups out or or make the fixes and then get it out in time for the practice tomorrow, uh, which the weather's supposed to be fine because that, that could be their last chance. So it's going to be a much more of a thrash for these teams that, that tore up stuff tonight. But um, interesting, interesting dynamic, interesting wrinkle um, that we might get with the weather. I, I know we just said on the last podcast um, we talked about not you know worrying about the weather and controlling what you control. But uh, after the whole clash thing, moving up, we don't expect this race to be moved up. I think that was so. A- you're you're saying right now it sounds like you're saying this race should be moved up to Friday. What do you? Oh, I mean it can't run Saturday. This washout. I can throw so. the suitcase out before I open it. Don't make me throw the suitcase out. I can run out of Be here careful. right now and toss it's an it. Expensive suit in there. Why not? I mean, why you can't run Saturday? Sunday's questionable. You're saying move up to Friday. I get it. Friday night NASCAR. All right. Anyway, thought this was a serious uh, show, but what have we ever been serious? I, I know. Um, listen, we've gone all corporate since. By the way, dirty by the way, I need a ruling on this from the chat. Or for whoever's going to Oh, no. Us I know what you're going to say, and I already got you I already got you covered, so. All right. Go ahead. What's, no, what's no, no. Please, go ahead. Okay, listen. You're going to ask, if there's a rain out, mm-hmm. do you have to wear it on Sunday, and does it does it count as race day? Right. Well, like, if I wear this I, outfit that you have in the suitcase here on Sunday, and the race gets rained out, I mean, it's kind of gross to wear an outfit two days in a row, isn't it? Oh, contraire, my friend. Oh, contraire. You're playing checkers. I'm playing chess. Why? One thing, a race isn't considered official until halfway. So you got to wear it on race day, which means race day has to go to halfway. I have to wear the same outfit. And I bought two of the same outfits. I wasn't sure. You're, You're a little bit of a tweener when it comes to sizing. So I didn't want there to be any issues. I didn't want you to say, oh, this doesn't fit. I can't wear it. So I bought 
two identical outfits in two different sizes. So I would have my bases covered. So if, by happenstance, this race is pushed to Monday, guess what? You already got the same suit. You don't got to wear it twice, bud. I, I hate you. Checkmate. All right. Well, I guess we don't need a ruling on that. <clears throat> Dang it. That's, that's, that's bad news. I thought I was... You, you know, one, one thing I was like, you know, they, they put out the press conference schedule and, like, DJ Khaled and The Rock are coming in here. And I was like, oh, that'd be cool. Like, ask The Rock yeah. a question or ask DJ Khaled a question. And then it, it struck me, like, oh, I'm going to be wearing this clown suit or whatever Jordan's, Jordan's going to have me. And I'm not going to be like, hey, The Rock. And he's going to be like, hey, nice, nice threads, no, my I man. I need a buzzard. No, no, no. I need a buzzard because, again, you're wrong. I will put money on it that one of them, if not both of them, would they will definitely make a comment about your outfit, but I will bet that one of them compliments your outfit. I don't want to give you that W. I don't want them to like it. And then, because you'll hold it over me forever. You'll be like, see, The Rock liked it. DJ Khaled uh-huh. liked your outfit that I picked out. I don't want John that. John Cena liked one of my sports coats back in 2016. See, this is what I'm saying. I, I'm not, I can't hear this. Oh, remember back in 2024? Anyway, yeah. we've gotten off topic. Sorry, everybody. Um, what do you think of Austin Sindrick's move on uh, Harrison Burton there? Last lap, duel number two, coming to the checkered flag. I, I, I thought, I mean, again, it's a duel, and you can, you can, you know, you kind of shrug your shoulders and whatever. I just thought if they stayed together – they might have been able to do something because once you hang out your Ford guy, your teammate, by the way, um, he really had no support to do anything. Um, because Did he I think mean Hans, to Denny shuffle was, him out or was he trying to push him? Did he? Was, yeah, I don't know. That's the question. It looked like Harrison kind of bobbled or like, or, you know, just bobbled a smidge and like, and, and, and Hendrick and Cindric got into him inadvertently and that, then that moved Burton up the track. It didn't look necessarily intentional, but I'm not sure on that. I only heard it once, but didn't um, but TV it, say something like, Oh, he's not going to be very happy with Harrison. Yeah. Oh, they said that. that right? Yeah. Yeah. But like I was again. I I I wish we had time to go watch it again because I. It almost looked like he was trying to, stay on him, and Harrison yeah. got a little squirrely and shot up, and then like I don't exactly. I don't think that, maybe I'm wrong. I I didn't interpret it as like Cindric's going there to like pile drive him and boot him out of the way. No, I didn't think so either. So so I guess that's why I shrugged my shoulders because I was like, oh, was, I think it was kind of fine, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. That that's my interpretation too. I don't know. But Cindric has just, a rep it, uh, because of, you know, how he he's raced team. You know, I raced Blaney at the end of the five hundred when he won it. But again, he won it. <laughs> so yeah, do what you got to do. I mean, um, yeah, I, and again, I, I Cindric's good in speedway races. You know, one of those guys he probably doesn't get enough credit. I know he's won Daytona five hundred, but you tend to overlook him a little bit. Um, I think he would have sense of saying, "Hey, I need to stay with my." teammate here because if i don't i got a toyota pushing me and that toyota is not going to push me back another toyota so i I do think it was inadvertent um harrison burton sleeper pick for the 500 where why are you coming up with that because he's he's good in these right he doesn't finish these races well he he admits that we talked about it the other day um but he runs well in these races um you know he flipped here two years ago uh, on the backstretch, he was up. I think he's he's leading or running second or third at the time. 
Um, he was in the mix at Talladega last year. Like, he's good in these races. He's with Penske. Um, he managed these races well. Had some bad luck. I'm just thinking, if you got, you're got you know looking for a sleeper, you could do a lot worse than Harrison Burton. We've just gotten the uh, official Daytona 500 starting lineup because inspection Ooh. is all clear. So, um, you know, looking at the sort of the back half of the field here, the guys who will have some work to do, obviously, um, you know, I, I'm just going to say, say like 25th or lower. You've got Truex starting 27th, um, Corey LaJoy starting 29th, which we think he's Another sleeper. somebody that could win. Um, now, you know, here's guys with, with backup cars and stuff. Blaney's starting 32nd, Kyle Busch 34th. Stenhouse, last year's winner, 35th. Um, Noah Gregson was running decent tonight for a little bit there, 38th. Mm -hmm. um, I'll tell you who I think is a sleeper pick talking about. I mean, starting 40th, right. David Reagan. Oh, I think yeah. David Reagan could win this. Well, he could, but I also wonder if he's in the mix at the end and with, you know, he's got four guys around him. I mean, let's say, for example, he's got Brad and Chris, his teammates, you know, He's in this race to be a pusher. Like, he's not, you know, uh, yeah. He is in, he said, like, they've said as much. Like, he's supposed to be basically their wingman. Like, yeah, that doesn't mean he's not going to try to win at the end. Okay. He can so try to get him running, up front. If he's running second or third on the final lap behind Brad or Chris, you think he's going to try to pass them? Yeah. For the Daytona 500? You don't think, you huh? don't think he's going to be like, yeah, you know what? I, I had a great career. I don't need to win the Daytona 500. I, I'm just going to – thanks for the ride, guys. I'm definitely going to push you guys and not try at all to win myself. I think he – there's – I think he'll try to do something if putting them in bad spot, but I think he also is going to realize I need to be the protector here because that is why I'm in this role. And, you know, I think that's going to – I think there's a, there's something to consider about that. No, I, I, no, I'm sorry. Okay. I, I'm not going to agree with you on that. <laughs> I, I just I don't think anybody's in this race at the end to think, nah, I'm, I'm good. Maybe. I mean, Kurt Busch blessed Ryan Newman with that uh, way back in the day. He did? That was a really good teammate thing, but I don't really see that anymore. I mean, remember, the, when, remember when the uh, Gibbs cars all had a plan and Kenseth was kind of mad that, like, they didn't stick with the plan and coming out of the last turn, the last lap or whatever it was. Isn't that right? Don't I have that right? Yeah. Was that 2016? Am I making 2016, that? 2016, yeah. And you had the finish with Denny and Truex? Truex and, and, and Matt was, like, was upset. Oh, we, didn't, we didn't say what we were going to do or we didn't do what and we were going to say. Yeah. And Denny had to look out for his best interest, right. went against the plan. Yeah. I, I just don't see teammates again. I mean, look at, look at Brad versus Joey. When they were the last year, they were teammates, right? They crashed, or one of the last. Yeah, years, but right? go okay, sure. But go back the last August at, in Daytona, and that's Brad different. was pushing. That's different. Trying to get in the playoffs or last August or whatever. I mean, that this is the Daytona 500. This is, I don't know, saying? man. I'm not buying any anybody not going out for themselves. I, I I think there's part of it, and he probably ultimately would, but I, I do think it's a factor of he's in this race to be the wingman. So I'd be curious to see. Another cool, I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but I forgot to mention this. Um, I, I just thought it was fascinating for a while watching Ty Gibbs kind of stick behind Jimmy Johnson um, because Ty Gibbs is 21 years old. Jimmy's 48. Yep. 
Um, I, I looked it up and NASCAR man RR on X, um, he had found the stat too that Jimmy Johnson was leading the points with, I, th- I think it was six or seven races to go in his rookie year on the day Ty Gibbs was born. Um, and here they are in this race, um, drafting together for a long time. And, and I just was, you know, just fast forwarding to Ty Gibbs when he's in his early forties, mid forties, you know, 20 something years <laughs> from now, Jimmy Johnson's almost a 70 year old and a total legend, right? Like how we, you know, I never got to cover Richard Petty, but like, you know, he came in for a press conference. You're like, you know, it's still like, man, it's Richard Petty, right? Seven time champion. He's still around. Wow. That's cool. Like people are going to be like in awe of like Jimmy's legend and lore is only going to grow over a generation, right? Like people are going to be like, wow. For sure. There's going to be, there's yeah. his careers. I, I will argue to this day, his career has not been appreciated enough. Right. So like the years will go by and all these, you know, kids will be born who never even saw Jimmy race, but Ty Gibbs will be like this elder statesman, right? Like he'll be the, he'll be the veteran kind of guy that people hated for many years and he won a championship and in his final years, they come around on him like they're doing for Kyle Busch. And you know, it'll be like, he'll be like, Oh yeah, I, I remember drafting with Jimmy at Daytona, you know, and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> and oh, these younger kids, will be like, man, Ty Gibbs, like he raced with Jimmy Johnson a few times. Like that's pretty cool. Um, and they did like, it wasn't just, they were in the same race. They were racing but, together tonight. So I thought that was uh, neat. Like that's just a snapshot that you can remember for 20 something years from now. You know what it's compared to is the 1992 season finale at Atlanta, which was Richard Petty's final start and Jeff Gordon's first career start. I, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of parallels there. It's a crossing of generations. That's a little, the, that's a little bit. Of a I mean, I mean, I'm not trying to shoot you down. I, I did, am shooting you down, but I'm not, I, I, this is not like Jimmy's last race and Ty Gibbs is coming in as a rookie. Well, okay. I mean, but, sure. but if you just say that though, guess what? They raced last year, Jeff. No, I know, but they raced on the same so track last year, but this was the, what I was saying is they were actually racing together tonight, which I thought was. Yeah, they. I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch the Daytona race from last year, but they they probably had, right. they may have I, had I feel a like moment I'm last year. You down now, so I'm going to give you this point. No, but I'm just saying, like, it, I mean, who knows? Maybe last year's Daytona 500, they were working together in the draft. What else? Uh, what else from this race jumped out at you? Um, I thought Michael McDowell's business decision at the end of the race was really smart <laughs> to bail. Um, he was running. He's running what second or third was in the that outside a line. Decision? I thought he just got. Kind of he got he whipped. got squirrely he got shuffled out but then he just said I'm he didn't even fight it or try to do anything he just yeah. I'm going right to the back like that well, that's the business decision he's going to be on the that's front row saying. so he, once that's yeah well, that's once why he realized he wasn't going to win yeah exactly you're right, you're right. like that yeah, yeah. so that that thing I thought that was really smart for um, maybe a guy we I don't probably talk about enough but this guy's usually in the mix for these races and qualified extremely well and. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see um, how he and that team can do. They put a lot of emphasis in these races because they they feel that this is their opportunity to to punch on a level playing field with the bigger teams. And I, I yeah I know they won Indy last year, but still. And so uh, they they are very excited about their opportunity on Sunday, and they feel like they have a really good chance to 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 leave with a second Daytona 500 trophy. Yeah, Ford with the front row lockout ends Hendrick's streak. It was dating back to 2014, or first mm-hmm. time since 2014, I think, that uh, there's no Hendrick car in the front row. Um, and then what was interesting, the news came out, um, I think today, earlier this morning. I'm, I'm losing track of my days already. It's been such a long time here. 
but uh, that front row is is not only you know has a Penske alliance, but they're going to be a tier one Ford team, which is um, really significant in terms of manufacturer support of mm-hmm. you know what what is talked about. You know, it, it's it's hard to move up the ladder um, if you're not one of these top top tier teams for a manufacturer. So um, you know, front row could take another step now. And hypothetically, if Stuart Haas Racing doesn't renew its contract with Ford, that pecking order, everybody's going to slide up. So they're going to be, could be even in a better spot. So smart move with them. Um, we, we know RFK's got its alliance with Rick Rowe Racing. So why not deviate from that and go to an opportunity where you, you know, maybe can have a better relationship? I mean, why not? If you can align yourself with the team that won the last two championships, why not? Um, smart move. And this is a team who over the last few years just continue to build and build and build, and they do a really good job. And, I, you know, it almost seems like Michael McDowell's stellar 2023 season was forgotten about already, partly because, you know, he went out in the first round of the playoffs. But, man, they were so good last year. Like, they freaking went to Indianapolis and won this race. Like, this team is legit. Like, are they you, are, are doing you making, it. Are you rethinking that neither of us picked him for the playoffs in our picks? I, can we talk about that, by the way? Like, it was a struggle because you, you got four Hendrick cars. You got four JGR cars. So that's eight of the 16 right there. And I think it's fair to say we, we both think that – I don't say they're locks because I think last year showed no, nothing's a lock. There's a really good case to be made that all four of those cars from each of the organization get in. And then you, you look at 2311 racing. Like, I feel – Good about those guys. RFK Racing, feel good about those guys. You throw Chastain and Kyle Busch in there, like, all of a sudden, you're out of spots. Like, I, I, I and so it came down for me, it was like, if you're going to make that prediction of, hey, somebody's going to get in that wasn't in a year ago, and, and who's going to move in and who's going to move out, it's like, I, I don't know. And, and you also have to take into account, again, like, Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman are going to bounce back. And I just I struggle with that, and it's it's a disservice to to Michael McDowell and, and that team and what they've built. But I didn't feel good about it, but I, I just felt like that was a smart thing to do. And you have Jones in, right? I do have Jones. So and who do you I have? Out? Jones. I have Jones. I have. Out. Yeah, I got Bubba in. I, I have Bubba oh, out. Bubba I have out. Jones in. I and and I don't feel good about that. And I and I kind of hedged it when I wrote this. Like Bubba going out winning two three races this year wouldn't shock me at all. Like. He should. He should win multiple races this year. And, you know, he could win at Vegas. He could win at Kansas. Like, I, I'm going to look like an idiot because I had him on my playoffs. But, and so it, I don't know where this is going to come from. And it was hard. But I felt like I had to do something. And also, no offense, I didn't want to mirror yours, 1 through 16. I felt like we had to have at least one different pick. Yeah, we had 15 of the same picks. Although Chase Briscoe informed me that, um, you know, my – and what we wrote on The Athletic, you know, we – uh-huh. Pick the biggest disappointment stuff, and I've blown it so badly the last couple of years that it has turned into you know a reverse jinx pretty much because I picked Trackhouse to have a disappointing year two years ago. They obviously had a great year, almost won the championship, and then last year I picked RFK Racing as my biggest disappointment. <laughs> that didn't go well for me. So this year I picked SHR, and Chase Briscoe said that that means that all four SHR cars, I've uh-huh. gifted them by the powers of my horrible predictions. Um, so congrats. Congrats, guys. Uh, hopefully you'll save some pizza for me at the celebration party. I think they'd have more than pizza. I mean, it'd be like oh. a steak dinner or something. Steak? Okay, sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Spire just had uh, Olive Garden at their uh, kickoff lunch. I wrote a big article about Spire um, on The Athletic. Great piece. So thank Great you. Great piece. Appreciate that. Definitive piece of the week, by the way. What? Um, and I will say definitive – we, a lot of great pieces have come out this week and, and throughout the media landscape. Your piece is by far number one. Like, I don't even think it's close. I, I, I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, I'm going to disagree yeah. with you here, Jordan. Uh, not that I wouldn't love to, to claim that crown, but um, as, as this, this will be my ad read for The Athletic because um, you can go to theathletic.com slash NASCAR tomorrow morning, which for those of you listening, it probably will, already will be tomorrow morning, but... Friday morning, whenever you're hearing this, Jordan, I, I don't know how you do it. You, you, he said, you know what? Let's do a, let's do a, an anonymous poll of people in the garage. We'll see how many we can get. And I'm like, how many are we going to be able to get? Well, I contributed three. Jordan got 27 people, and I saw him on media day going after a lot of these people. Pretty amazing. I mean, he was. We're talking 20 drivers are among these 30 people that Jordan talked to. We asked them six questions. Um, who will be the regular season champion? Who will be the cup champion? Mm-hmm. Who will be the biggest positive surprise? Biggest disappointment? Race you're most looking forward to and race you're least looking forward to. And, Which is uh, my favorite category out of those, by the way. <laughs> oh, some of the quotes that... I, I got a preview yeah. of Jordan's piece before it's publishing. I've got some of the quotes. Wait till you guys see this. I don't want to spoil it, but <clears throat> make sure you go to The Athletic, support our work, because um, you're going to want to at least read Jordan's piece. I think that's what that's the one that no. people will be talking about <clears throat> this week. I appreciate you saying that about my Spire story, because I've worked hard on it. But the Spire, it was a great story. No, <clears throat> my piece was just asking, my, my thing is just asking questions. Like, you you did real reporting. You put in the time. You put in the legwork. Like, that, that was a good piece. And the thing about the Spire story is, is you you changed you helped change the image of this team because I think it's fair to say the image of this team is until recently because I mean they've made a lot of big moves so let's just say up until the last year or so like you know like oh they're just getting by are they really putting money into the team are they really trying to be competitive and you can't say that anymore like they've they've added cars they've added they've brought in a bunch of sponsors they've added drivers. Um, they bought a brand new building. They bought charter. Like they're doing all of these things, and you do a really good job of telling that story and that journey of how they started small, and it was just kind of like I don't say is it fair to say get by? You know, initially, like let's just get by and and do this, and then we are gonna build this slowly. And slowly is the key word, and they've done that. And there's they they're, they keep climbing up that pecking order, and you did a great job of kind of. Telling that journey, so I'll let you take it from here because I'm t- I'm, r- I'm walking. Well, on no, all I mean I, I don't want to, you know I'm not kind of not going to try to brag on my own story. I, I was just bringing it up because of the all. Oh, Two year old horn, man, beep beep. It was good stuff. The it is, the spire part is fascinating though, in that they you know really had no intentions of being a race team, and then they they figured out how to play the charter games, you know, and they are the example of why this charter system is actually a good thing. And how they built up value and and sort of charter hopped from one to another and figured out the system to make it work for themselves. And now suddenly they're a three car team in in a new shop and and they're here to play, you know. And it's like like Hosevar had a good run tonight, you know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. you know, Zane Smith did too. Yeah, Corey LaJoy for much of the first half of that duel, duel number one was running up front, and he looked good, you know. And 
Corey LaJoy is they... like a big sponsor. Chili's like legit Chili's. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a legit there's a guy commercial coming out race. with it. It's I think gonna play during the race. I saw this commercial and it's yeah. like really good. So I mean it's you know, Spire has suddenly gone from, you know, everybody making jokes about them, basically. I mean, they were the, the mm-hmm. butt of the jokes. Um, you know, Justin Haley won that race and was like, Oh my gosh, like these guys didn't even they're not even trying and they won a race. Like, what's going on here? Um, but they couldn't try because they didn't have any money. <laughs> They, they just they, they had to take out a loan to buy a charter, um, and they were just trying to make payroll, you know. Um, and now they've they've they're in a good spot. They're not in Hendrick level spot, but they're in a good spot. So they're on that path. Yeah, and they're making progress. Speaking of Hendrick, we we touched on this. Um, I will say, despite the Toyota element of this, there's a couple storylines going to the 500 that sometimes the 500 gives you such a, a storyline where you're like that. That just all makes sense. Just all fits together. Hendrick, I think on Monday, uh, Winston Kelly said during the press conference, is the actual 40th anniversary of Hendrick's first race. They had six employees and a bunch of volunteers. Um, They have since won 301 races. And among those eight Daytona 500s, the next one would be a record-tying ninth Daytona 500. They have not won the Daytona 500 in 10 years since you you wrote about this week with Dale Jr., you wrote uh, you talked to Dale Jr. about his two Daytona 500 wins, 20 years ago and 10 years ago, and that's the last time Hendrick won the Daytona 500. So it would sort of be fitting, especially if this race ends up being Monday for some reason. Um, Hendrick wins on the 40th anniversary. Um, you know their ninth Daytona 500 tie the record. I mean you could see all the pieces sort of coming together. That's number one. Number two, the Kyle Busch part of this, right? Like he is. He's sticking with the 20 years of trying, 20 years of frustration thing, even though it's actually only his 19th attempt because he said at Media Day, I, he said, I, I forgot about 2015 when I broke my leg. Um, but he said, I, I, I did try that year. I mean, I came down, I qualified for the race. <laughs> like it was, it's been 20 years is his point. So he said, this will be 20 years and next year will be 20 tries. So, uh, but either way, you know, he was leading at the 500th mile last year. Then he won Talladega. Um, so we we could see, you know, and now he's, he's going to have to start in the back but with his backup car. But um, Kyle Busch, uh, maybe. So you could see, I mean, there's maybe maybe some things that could happen. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he, he'll, he, like he said, he'll tell you quickly, he was leading last year at <laughs> mile 500. Um, yeah, he's, he's due. Won Talladega last spring. Um, RCR, you know, brings – really good stuff and you know you used to be you know way back guys switch to backup cars and you'd quickly dismiss them you know there's they're done there's no way now it doesn't matter especially rcr like it's they they bring their backup is as good as the primary and he'll be fine and it's just a matter of putting yourself in the right spot and making the right moves and he seems to have kind of approached these races a little bit differently too now and is is done you know but i don't want to put words in his mouth but it felt like before it was like he came here and he just kind of like, ah, I hate speedway racing. It's not my thing. You know, we'll just get through it, right? And it seems like now, not not necessarily embracing it, but just kind of more accepting it, I think that would be fair to say. Yeah. And I, I do think that having that mentality in these races pays dividends. You look at a, a Denny Hamlin, for example. He loves this stuff. Like, he loves these races. He knows he's good at it. He gets it. And Ryan Blaney was the same way. Ryan Blaney likes these. Well, 
I don't know if after tonight in the last couple of races, but mostly he he knows he re- looks at this and says, I can do this. Yeah, there's some luck and everything like that, but I'm better at this than these guys. And coming here, and Dale was the same way. You came here with a confidence. You didn't come here with a defeatist attitude of, oh, oh, I don't have the luck, and I'm just, it's all up to the, the racing gods, and et cetera, et cetera. You came here and you think, I can do this. I can put myself in a position. Yeah, things got to fall my way to some degree, but I'm going to control what I can control. And I think when you have that mentality, it does pay dividends. Do you have a pick for the Daytona 500, Jordan? Uh, Toyota? I, I'm with you, but with, I mean, you know. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I do. And it's not, it's Denny Hamlin. I mean, I, 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 I said this, and I know that his move at the end of the race maybe didn't work out the way he wanted it to, but he's the best in these races, the best. He knows how to make moves. He knows how to defend. He obviously has a fast race car. Um, I, I just, I think this is his, I think it's his his race. And they showed, by the way, and we talked about it, if they get in the back, and they're going to have to come a little bit from the back, some of these guys, um, the Toyotas can make moves. They can get to the front. And that's going to be the thing. I, I think Denny Hamlin wins his fourth Daytona 500. I mean, it was going to be my pick, so I don't, I'm not going to repeat the same pick as you because that's super lame. But along the same lines, after what I saw from the Toyotas tonight, you're like, wow, it's pretty compelling case here to pick a Toyota. And who's the best at super speedways among Toyota drivers? Denny Hamlin, right? So it's tough to, you know, you look at it and you're like, I, I don't know who else to go with. So this is going to be my strange random pick that I really don't have an explanation for, but I will go with Martin Truex Jr. to win that's not a bad pick. his first Daytona 500. That's not a bad pick at all. People knock Truex, and I have to go back, but you look at last year's race. Didn't he win the first two stages in last year's race? You know better than me. I don't have a good memory. I, I, I think he, he won one of them, if not both. Like He's good in these races. He can't finish them worth a damn for various reasons, but he runs these races well. I mean, he finished second in the closest Daytona 500 ever. Yeah. Um, he's in the mix. He's, fair to say, never won a super speedway race before, um, which right. is like the only, you know. But he's really good. Also lost to Eric Jones at uh, Talladega, uh, here at Daytona, uh, the July race, uh, by, you know, inches. So runs these races well. You could say he's due. Be interesting. And especially finishing the, the season the way he did last year in the playoffs and as bad as it went, come, turn around and boom, win Daytona, man. Be a great, uh, great way to start that year, and it could be his final year. Great, uh, great walk off. Yeah. Um, by the way, Eric Jones, that could be another. Uh, I don't know. There's really good here too. There's so I, I, many. I mean, listen, you know, you, you can listen, make a case for so many people. You just here, here's the thing. Just pick pick a random like. Don't get like you know. Go give me a cast growl. Like, no offense, no cast. But like pick pick somebody, pick somebody on the on the starting lineup, and I bet you we could make a case for. Okay, so I'm. I have a random number generator here that I just typed in okay. on Google. Uh, I'm picking between 1 and 99, and I'm going to have it generate a number. It has generated – no, that's number 80. There's no number. It has generated <laughs> number 1. Oh, it's Ross Chastain. I mean, that's he's won a Talladega before. Like, that's, you know, that's not a, that's not a, that's not like a stretch I, at all I to see know. him. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to finish this race, but – Why? I don't know. I just feel like he – I mean, you could say that about anybody. Moves and, and he gets yeah, caught but up the, in stuff. And 
But unlike Truex, I mean, it's, it's their body of work is. I mean, he's already won a super speed race. He is showing that he can actually finish these that. out. I, I mean, get that. yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I'm not saying he's, he's my pick to win. He wouldn't be in my top ten. But you I, could really. I mean, you could talk yourself into just about anything. That's what I'm saying. Like that, that. that is exactly what I'm saying. Like Austin Cindric, uh, Austin Dillon. Um, you know, okay, Josh Berry. I, yeah, I don't know if I could see that. Would be that would be a little tougher to do. Drives a Ford, maybe. I, I, you know, but mostly it's Kyle Larson, easy. Brad Keselowski, easy. Corey LaJoy, easy. You know, Kyle Bush, easy. I Justin mean, Haley. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm literally just running through like numbers in, in order here, oh, and like we right. only ran into one guy so far with Josh yeah. Berry. We're like, right. oh yeah, yeah. like I mean, yeah, I understand what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, like. By the way, so, our chat. Um, I'm told our live chat that we, you know, but, but for those of you listening to this, we're, we do these on YouTube live now. So our chat is picking Chevy over Toyota and Ford to pick the 500. That's fine. You guys go with that. I mean, Hendrick, yeah, I mean, I get it. Hendrick's Hendrick, RCR track house. Yeah. I get it. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. Like I, no. you could, there's no stupid uh, picks for this race. Legit. So. Well, right. I mean, you could. There's, there are some stupid picks. But okay, yeah. sure. Uh, do you have anything else, or do you want me to open this outfit, this suitcase that you have? Is it time? Suitcase. I don't know. Oh I've, my goodness! I cannot even People... tell you how much I'm dreading this. It's just so. It's all anybody wants to talk about. You know, you run into people at the track, and it's about the outfit, and then you're showing everybody on the phone. Oh, here's here's your outfit, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, and. I'm just so, so I can't wait till this is done. And I think also it's annoyed our friends by now. Like Bob's made comments to me like, oh, I'm just, you know, just get this outfit done. You know, I'm just so tired of this. So Bob hasn't said anything to me, so he can't be that annoyed. Well, maybe he didn't say it like that, but I think he's, he's, everybody's tired of hearing about this, right? Can we just get this outfit over with? So what do I have Let's to do, do it. here? I just open this and. Just open the suitcase. Just open it up. And remember, there are two of the same outfit in there. So you don't, you're going to see just. Don't be shocked. Okay. Well, I will try to talk through this for those listening to the podcast and not the video. I'm actually kind of nervous right now. All right. <laughs> okay. I cannot believe you. Did you really – is this suitcase just the outfit? You packed this? You brought this yeah. on the plane just for well, – Well, no, I didn't pack it on the plane. My parents lived down here. I got a oh. suitcase from them. I had – the, the suit shipped down here. I, I Listen, anybody who knows how I pack knows that I have no room in my suitcase for anything. The lighting's weird in here, but for some reason this looks pink. Bingo. It is pink. All right, so we have this hat. I guess I will not be wearing my hat. Why don't you oh. put that on right now? It looks good on you. Look at that. Perfect fit, stylish, looking good, my friend. Keep going. Okay. Oh, this is horrible. Look at this belt. This is a white belt. Uh, yeah, I didn't describe it for the podcast part. Sorry. Uh, so this, I'm wearing a white. What is this like a? It look like I'm it's a white in the musical newsies. Yeah. yeah. White hat. A white hat. White belt. Okay. And when you white have, belt and, with and it's very holes in it, like. No. A bunch of moths ate through it. Is that accurate? <laughs> and it's very important, Jeff, that your belt matches your shoes. There's okay. Uh, shoes. Oh, well, 
these are going to get ruined. It's supposed to, these are white shoes. These are supposed to, it's supposed to yeah. rain on Sunday. And you, okay. you don't have backup it's shoes, fine. huh? Got you there. <laughs> It'd be okay. Okay. Well, I have these shoes that you've bought, purchased for me. You look good. Size 13, right? I wear size 13, so. By the way, the chat is saying the hat looks good on you, so. Okay, well. Thank you. This is the only time you're going to see it. Well, this and Sunday. No, it's not the only time. All day Sunday. Maybe Monday, too. Yeah, Monday. Yeah, whatever. Okay. All right, here we go. Wait. All I'm seeing is pink. All I'm seeing is pink. Yeah. It's not just a pink you're... sport coat, but the pants are pink, too. No. You're just me like the pink it's panther. A pink suit. It's a pink suit. Jeff is going to be wearing a pink suit on Daytona 500 race day. <laughs> and pink pants. I thought this was supposed to be something you would wear. I would 100% wear that. In a fact, pink suit pink and pink. 100%. I actually I'm might not buy asking that for the myself. Rock a question wearing this. The Rock's going to look at you and go, damn, you look good. I actually, as the circle of friends that I have consulted about this uh, over the last few months, uh, they have all said the same thing. That is 100% an outfit I would wear. And in fact, some of my closest uh, of my inner circle have said that I actually should buy a suit like that. You can have it. I mean, I don't want it. I don't, I don't well, if the other one you home, don't wear, if you wear don't wear the other one, what? If you don't, if you don't wear the other one, I may, I may take that one. Okay. Yeah. You can take so both. Jeff back. will be wearing. I, mean, I, you know, I What am I going to do with? Is it? I'm ever going to wear these? Am I going to go to somebody's wedding and wear these again or something like? Well, when we go, we you know, cover Formula One in Vegas. Be you think I'm going to wear this in public on purpose? Pink you and should. pink. You should. It's better than what you're wearing now. What is wrong with this? Well, except for this. This is a. Not, I'm wearing a vest. I'm Where, where's a, your minivan park there, Chief? I'm a suburban dad. You know what? You will be dressing like a suburban dad next year. So soak it up right now. Soak up yeah. the pink suit. I'm going hard at Target <laughs> on my shopping spree next year. And I'm going to have to spend a lot you less look, money than you just spent on whatever this clown outfit is. You look. Okay. You have to admit. Right, do you have the so, receipt for this? I hope you kept the receipt. You can pretend and, that I didn't wear it. If it gets wet, you you're going to have to. Were you. Were you worried that I was going to go much more extreme? I mean, I'm wearing pink and pink to the yeah, but I could have. How much more extreme gone, is there? What what is? I mean, aside from wearing an I actual have, clown nose, <laughs> I could have gone all sorts of. I mean, I could have got you a sports coat with lights on it, which also was considered. Yeah, but it had to be something that you would wear, right? So, like, I would wear that at the right occasion. All right. It's not bad. You you should be thanking me. I really, and I just hope. And you need to acknowledge a lot of people that have seen this have said that looks good. <gasps> it just dawned on me. You said oh, these, these are not only pink pants, but these are tight pink pants because you've been talking yeah. to everybody about how tight they are. Yeah, you these need to roll These are tight quarters. pink pants. They hopefully, hopefully so. Hopefully, yes. Okay. I don't see how I got off easy here. I, everybody else is like, oh, this isn't so, actually not so bad. Uh, uh, this is not good. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm putting my other hat back on for now. Cause... Put your other hat back on Sunday. Well, maybe Monday. Let's hope it. Boy, I, I tell you what. 
There's been races where I really hoped it got in that day. This is now P1 on the list because I do not want to have to wear this two days in a row. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Please. Weather uh... gods. You know what? I believe in the vortex theory. I believe in the vortex theory now. <laughs> get those cars on track, baby. Let's get this thing in on Sunday. <sighs> Can't, you know the nice thing, too, is you got to wear it to the tweet up. Oh, crap. All right. Well, this has been a great podcast, everybody. Hope you um, hope you enjoyed this. This is fun. Yeah. This was everything I wanted it to be and more. Yeah. Why don't you just close? I don't even. I, I'm I'm at a loss. You can just sign us off, Jordan. <laughs> Jeff, Jordan, you're listening to the Teardown. It's been fun. We will talk to you Sunday night, hopefully, maybe Monday night after the Daytona 500. I'm Jordan Bianchi, that's the Pink Panther, and you're listening to The Teardown on Dirty Mo. Check out Dirty Mo Media. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.